final episode of the World Cup Project, I speak with PSG Talk contributor John Olonghi for our spectacular 2018 World Cup preview. We go through each group and pick the two teams who advance, followed by the knockout stage games until we come up with our winner. Yes, it's just like every other type of World Cup preview, but we cut through the hyperbole and give you the necessary information needed as we bring you snippets and more than snippets on each of the 32 teams in the tournament. I'm your host, Mark Damon, and join me as we reveal our picks to win in Russia. It's the obligatory but still wonderful World Cup preview here on the World Cup Project. John Olangi, welcome to the final edition of the World Cup Project. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me, Mark. It's good to be back, and it's pretty cool that you're doing this. I've followed all the episodes so far, and it's been a really, really fun project to listen to and now to be a part of. And the way we're going to end it is with the traditional sort of uh, World Cup 2018 preview, the one that everyone does. And we'll give you our opinions, we'll tell you who's going to win, who's going to star, all of that wonderful stuff. But before we get into that, I want to give you the opportunity to just sort of talk to the listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself, how you grew to love the game, and how you found yourself uh, contributing for PSG Talk. Um, well, I'm, I'm originally from a Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. And, um, so just there, uh, kind of different from here in America where you have a lot of sports, baseball, uh, American football, basketball, and all these sports. And in Africa, where I was growing up, we just had soccer pretty much. So it was, it was one of those things that we, we watched all of the time. And then, uh, being where I'm from, our country doesn't really qualify for a world cup so we were kind of rooting for you know other african nations or anybody else and um it was actually the confederations cup uh and i think it was i forget what year it was uh that brazil won it and um i kind of noticed tiago silva he 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 was dominating a lot of those group stage matches and i was really impressed by a defender kind of taking control of the game, you know, from a defensive position where in football it's strikers and midfielders who are really making the plays and he was really controlling the game there. And I just, and I just, I was just impressed by that. And I started following him and, uh, when he was at Milan and then obviously, and that's how I got into PSG and it's been kind of just, you know, that's where I've been since, since then. It's really Thiago Silva brought me to PSG and I started really following all the players and the team. So that's kind of, the, I guess the track for me to be uh, contributing for PSG now. Yeah, and how did you just get involved in that in the writing process? Because I saw one of your first articles, and I I reached out to you and wanted you on the show because I just felt like you're a very good writer and have a good sort of uh, grasp on things and a good sort of uh, perspective that I like. I think we kind of we kind of have that same sort of big picture look on things where we're, you know, not reacting too much in the moment. Right. So just kind of talk about how, um, how you got into the website just a little very quickly before we get into what we're going to talk yeah. about today. Yeah, sure. Well, like I got, I've always done writing pretty much from when I was in middle school, high school, just through school. I always, I always look forward to writing projects. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a big fan of writing and I guess the intricacies and the details that, 
you know, that goes into all of that. And, um, you know, just just uh, listening to when I started following PSG, you know, in America, I was looking for uh, English-based content, and I just found this podcast, the PSG Talking Podcast, mm-hmm. and it was like the perfect thing. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, you know, match reviews, transfer news, and a little bit about everything that I wanted to hear, so it was perfect. And then, um, I guess I was waiting for the opportunity for Ed to kind of ask, um, you know, if anybody wants to contribute, and then he sent out a tweet one day, and I was like, this is it, you know, this is, you know, opportunity for me to kind of reach out and say, hey, I'm interested in writing, so uh, I emailed him, uh, I told him, I kind of had an idea to do, like, player spotlights and kind of highlight different forms of players, like, if they're playing bad, why they're playing bad, if they're playing good, why they're playing good. So, uh, and before I even, you know, started writing, I already had the idea of that first article about uh, Leighton Kozawa, because, you know, we had all these expectations that he just played like crap, you know, <laughs> in the beginning part of the season. So, uh, that was the first article uh, I wrote, and uh, just really been, it's really been a cool experience to, uh, more so in, you know, writing right now in kind of the Neymar era, you know, being a part of this, covering the team. I think that's the really cool aspect of it, and I kind of just, you know, I'm an observer. I like looking at things, taking it all in before I put out an article. So uh, it's been really great. I appreciate that, and I appreciate everybody who's on the site. Kind of gives me some new, fresh perspectives all the time. So it's been really cool. Perfect. And um, let's let's get started, shall we? We are here to, as I said earlier, review the World Cup. We're going to give you our predictions. We're going to go from top to bottom. We're going to talk about each group. We're going to talk about the knockout rounds. We are going to give you our winner, our um, most valuable player, if you will, and possibly other things along the way. So, let's start out in Group A. Group A consists of... If I can pull it up here just so I can fish. All right, here we go. Group A consists of the host country, Russia. Um a qualifier from the Confederation of African Football, Egypt, uh, a qualifier from the Comnibol in South America, Uruguay, and a qualifier from the Asian Football uh, Confederation, Saudi Arabia. Initial thoughts on that group? Uh, I thought this group was, um, you know, I, I think uh, Uruguay is the strong favorite there. So I have them winning the group, but um, I was kind of on the fence a little bit about Russia and Egypt because initially I thought, I think Egypt has the better deal. They have Salah and kind of the form that he's been in. And um, and the thing with Russia is really all they have going for them is that they're hosting the thing. Like all of their qualifying matches, they, you know, they didn't, they weren't impressive. They didn't really win any big matches and, and uh, you know, they haven't... Um, well, I, I saw some. I looked up some numbers that said since 2016 they've played nine matches. They've drawn one time and only only won two of two matches against New Zealand and uh, a Russian club, uh, Dynamo uh, Moscow. So they haven't really been impressive in the qualifying rounds, and really all they have going for them right now is that they're the host. But other than that, I don't think they'll get out this group. Um. Just a little brief thing I thought about this group. This is very much the um, this is very much I think the weakest group of the eight. And I look at 
Uruguay being the strongest team in this group, and for me, that's not necessarily a good thing. That's not a positive to say, oh, the best team in this group is Uruguay. I think they're weaker than they've been in recent years. They had that 2010 run to the um, semifinals in South Africa, but this is not the same group. This is a weaker group than that one was. You have no Diego Forlan to sort of uh, anchor the midfield and give them that sort of dyn- uh, dynamic play. You've watched, if you've watched Barcelona lately, you've seen that Luis Suarez isn't necessarily where he has been as a player in the last four or five years. So I look at it and I just, I, I find Uruguay to be particularly weak. And I think they'll win this group. I have them winning it with nine points. I have them winning all three games, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I think they're going to be particularly convincing. Um, And I I just think that, and I think you're right about this, um, Egypt has the better players of the other three teams. And sometimes you can talk about the World Cup as a competition of heart and a competition of passion, but it's also a competition based on talent. And Egypt just has more talent than Saudi Arabia and Russia. So it would be a real um, upset, I think, if anyone other than Uruguay or Egypt made it through this um, made it through this group. Now, let me ask you about the man that's on everyone's mind right now, Mohamed Salah. There have been some um, clickbait, overreactionary articles calling him one of the three best players in the world, which is, quite frankly, nonsense. But here's a guy, and actually, it just as a slight sidebar, I think it's a disservice to Salah to sort of put him in this rarefied air where he just isn't as a player. Like, he's at the Harry Kane level, but Harry Kane's a top 15 player in the world. He's not a top three. And shouldn't we celebrate the fact that Mohamed Salah resurrected his career from a point where he was sort of a good player at Roma, but he wasn't particularly great. And he's come to the Premier League and he's made a name for himself. And now he's going to have the opportunity to take his home country to the knockout stage, I believe, for the first time in a while. So just talk a little bit about him and, as I would consider him, the player of the group, for lack of a better term. What do you think his expectations are for this World Cup? Well, I think he has like the whole country, you know, on his shoulders pretty much, and that's a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of pressure for a guy. But uh, I think he's he's played great. Obviously, I thought he deserved the winning the Premier League Player of the Year award. I thought all everything is deserving. But like you said, once we start reading clickbait stuff, you know, you got to take it for what it is. Like, no, we know that he's not. You know, well, some of us, you know, realists know that he's not, you know, top three or anything like that. He's just having an amazing year. And like you said, all those expectations are put up to him. Now we're going to expect this every year. And if you don't get it, then you start talking bad about him. And then I think another important part is, as to, you know, he, he played with Chelsea before and then he went to Roma. And, you know, it's been the same guy, but he's just played different. I think that speaks to more of uh, Jurgen Klopp and his kind of system and how he's been able to kind of operate on that right wing and, and still cut in. And then having a guy like Sadio Mane, who I think is really underrated on the Liverpool, Liverpool team, and kind of and then having Robert Firmino, who's a really solid um, 
number nine, you know, I think all those things play into why he's having such a great year and why we didn't see this in Roma in his previous time. But as far as the World Cup, I think uh, I don't think he gets past the, the knockout stages, but I think that it would be a great feat for him and, and the entire country of Egypt for them to get out of uh, a group stage, and which in which I think they'll finish second in the group. So uh, I, I don't think he's overrated in terms of, like, a ceiling. But no, we, we, we have to be a realist and, and, and call it what it is. He's just having a great year and just kind of, you know, allow him to play, allow him to continue to be great. You know, putting these uh, accolades on people this early is, is a little risky, as we've seen before in, in all sports, you know. Yeah, I, I'd agree. So I think we're both on the same page here. I have Uruguay at nine points, topping the group, Egypt with six points, Russia with zero points, and Saudi Arabia with zero points. Saudi Arabia is not very good. I don't think they score a goal in this tournament. I don't think um, I think uh, Russia does not does not score a goal in this tournament. And again, that should be a pretty straightforward group. So we have both of them advancing to the knockout stage. Group B consists of UEFA qualifiers: Spain and Portugal, a qualifier from the Asian Confederation, Iran, and a qualifier from the Confederation of African Football, Morocco. John, lead us off. What stands out here in first glance uh, at Group B? Uh, well, Spain, uh, I think I'll start with Spain in terms of, yeah, I think they're going to win the group. I think they're the strongest team in the group. And really, just them, the, their performance in the 2014 World Cup, I think they're just going to have a certain type of urgency and like we're not gonna you know like an attitude of we're not gonna let whatever happened in 2014 happen again and I think they'll play really inspired football and I have them really um going really deep into this tournament yeah now uh in terms of second and uh I, I was on the fence about uh, Morocco and Portugal. Now, you say, you know, Portugal has obviously Cristiano Ronaldo and all these other great players, you know, um, uh, Silva uh, from, from Manchester City, you know, John Matinho, John Matinho, you know, they, Charisma, they have some really good players. And with Cristiano uh, as your head guy, you know, they can make some noise, but with uh, Morocco, I think they can be uh, they can be one of the sleepers in, uh, in the group stage just because, you know, they, they just won the Africa, African Cup of Nations and, uh, you know, they beat a strong uh, uh, Nigerian team in that in that championship final. And this is their first World Cup since 98. So, you know, that's that's a lot of, you know. Uh, I guess you know, a lot of motive motivations for that team where I don't think Morocco and, and Portugal are too far. You know, I don't think the, the gap between the two countries are are that much, um, you know, it's, it's not that big of a difference. And, and I'm, I'm kind of uh, still on the fence about that. But if, if you were, if I were a betting man, I would say Spain won and then Portugal, but Morocco can be a sleeper here. And Iran, I don't think they're going to really do anything. That didn't play anybody in the qualifying uh, uh, round. So uh, I have Spain, Portugal, but Morocco can be a sleeper here. Yeah, and I, I thought about Morocco, and the thing I'm a little worried about is they have a very good collection of, let's call it B- minus to C-plus talent. They're not mm -hmm. bad players, but there's just nobody. You have uh, Aziz Boudaboos, you have... Yusuf Ait Benasser, 
we've seen all these guys. Jonas Belhanda, Manuel right. da Costa, Nabil Derar, Hamza Mendel. We've seen all these guys in League One. They're good players, but I just, I don't see sort of that, um, I don't see sort of that guy where I go, okay, they're going to play Portugal and they're going to outscore them. Like, I don't, like, that's where I kind of get concerned with, with Morocco. Iran oh. is going to play, um, they're going to play defensively the entire tournament. And that third place is going to come down to Iran and Morocco. Now, I have Iran winning that game 1-0. But again, that's sort of a, you know, it's sort of what it is. It doesn't really matter who finishes third or fourth in a group. Right. So, I, I don't see any other way that it's not Spain and Portugal because... I, I, like you, very much like Spain. I think Spain is going to be very good in this tournament. And yeah. I feel like they're going to be what Germany was in 2010, where you have this really good core of young players who aren't quite ready, but they over they outplay their um, they outplay their expectations. I think they've looked good in their qualifying. They've looked good in the the friendlies right now. You have you have guys like Isco, Asensio, Aspas. It's a quality team, and it has some yeah. good leadership on it. You still have Ramos, you still have Piquet, and going through that team, I'm I'm thinking they got a real. They're gonna have a real genuine opportunity to make some noise. So I have Spain at one. I have Spain on nine points. And Portugal second at six points. Now, Portugal's an interesting story, too, because they were able to sort of sneak their way into a European championship in a year where the European championship wasn't necessarily the um, the best quality of tournament. They're a team that's right. going to want to grind it out. They're a team that's going to want to be um, physical with you. They have some good physical defenders, I think, They'll be a little lacking in midfield. I'm not the biggest fan of the Jean Mario, Jean Matinho, Bernardo yeah. Silva midfield. But you have Cristiano Ronaldo. And in a group where you're playing Iran and Morocco, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to score a bunch of goals. So I think that's where you you get. So we both are so far in sync through two groups. Uh, we both have Spain and Portugal, one and two qualifying into the knockout stages. Now we go on to group three, where it may get a little more interesting. We have qualifiers from UEFA, France and Denmark. Qualifier from Comnibol and a bit of a surprise, Peru. And a qualifier from the Asian Football Confederation, Australia. Uh, John, first uh, glimpse of that group for us. Well, I, I, I mean, this is uh, a cakewalk for France, number one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, I don't. There's not much in this group that that made me interested. Like you said uh, that first group was probably the weakest one. I think you said. Yeah. I think I think this one is quite honestly. Uh, I think Australia. You know, they they did pretty good. Well, uh, they did pretty good in the in the qualifying. But uh, to me, this is one of those things where. France can kind of gain some momentum into going going into the, the knockout stages because uh, you know there's always a lot of 
uh, pressure on the French uh, national team, as we heard uh, Guillaume talk about in, in the first episode of the World, World Cup project, and sort of the, the country's expectation, no matter whatever the squad is, that they, they have to win it. So I think it's important for, for them that they do get this kind of weak we group where they can really put in some good performances if Deshaun wants to change up some some lineups and give certain players uh, some opportunities to play. I think that would be huge. But uh, I have it France uh, first, uh, Australia too, and then uh, I don't think Peru or Denmark are going to do really do anything for me. All right, so we have our first slight disagreement. Um, okay. I obviously I have France winning this group. I think I have France winning it with nine points. I I think they'll struggle a little bit early just to kind of get their footing. They'll win the games, but they'll pick it up as they go along. Uh, Peru is now I think out of any sort of equation. They lost their best player, Paulo Guerrero, for probably the entire tournament for his um, for his drug suspension, if I remember that correctly. So it's really going to come down to whether it's Australia or Denmark. I look at the two rosters, and I think Denmark has a good, decent, solid core of players where you have a good goalie in Kasper Schmeichel. Uh-huh. You have, um, you have obviously, you have uh, Christian Eriksen. You have Nicholas Bentner, who's at least a, a, a competent enough player. Um, and... You look at that team and you go, I think there's some kind of potential with it. And if you look at Australia, you go, they're going to have their usual Australia. It's, you know, they've, they have Tim Cahill playing for them for the 10th for the World Cup in a row. Uh, Tommy Jurek, um, Matthew Leckie, uh, Robbie Cruz, um, it's really six of one, half a dozen of the other with those two teams. But I think that, and this is how I did it, because you sometimes you have to tease out the games and go by goal differential and how many number of goals scored. I think Denmark and Australia are pretty much tied. I have them both at four points. I have them both with a zero goal differential. And I have Denmark scoring four goals and Australia scoring three. Therefore, Denmark makes it through on my um, on my bracket. But again, by the very very slimmest of margins, just because I think Denmark versus I think Denmark can score a little more than Australia can, and that'll help in the uh, and that'll help in the tiebreakers. Um, I'm going to save a lot of what I think about France to the end because I think I'm going to surprise some people in how and uh, where I put them, but. Anything else on Group C before we move forward? Because, again, I don't think there's much to talk about. Yeah, I think I'll save, because uh, I have some thoughts on, the, I guess, the, the selections or non-selections of certain people and whatever, the Shams yeah, uh, mind state. So, we'll, no, we'll, we'll get to that later. We can go ahead and keep going through the groups. All right, will do. Yeah. Uh, group D, um, from Comnibol, we have Argentina from the... Um, Confederation of African Football. We have Nigeria. We have Iceland from UEFA. And also from UEFA, we have Croatia. Sean, uh, I'm going to have an interesting pick or two in this one. So I'll let you go okay. first. All right. I think uh, Group D, no pun intended, I think this is my group of death. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, um, you, you would look at it and say Argentina are the favorites, but clearly when it comes to the national squad, they have like, a, I don't know what's going on over there. It's weird when they have like one of the best players in the world. So, um, I, I, I'm, I'm still going to go with Argentina just based off of talent. But my thing is, any other Iceland, Croatia, or Nigeria can all finish second, which is why I think this makes this group interesting. Because I was really impressed with Iceland in the Euros and how far, how deep they got into that, uh, the 2016 Euros and how they played. Uh, Nigeria is one of uh, the, the more stronger African uh, nations. They're always in the thick of things. You know, they're, you know they, 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 they grind out games and they're really, they're really, um, a disciplined team. And in Croatia, they have, um, you know, some really good players, you know, the Luka Modrigs, uh, the Rakitic, Manjuc, um, Mario Mandzukic, you know, they have some players that you know that who play in, in, in big European clubs. And um, I, 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 I really don't know where I would go with this. Like, I would pick Croatia, but, like, I'm on the fence between them and, and Nigeria. And then, like I said, Iceland, um, I was really impressed with them, and I think they can they can make some noise as well. So this is my group of death. Uh, I'm not I'm not really impressed with Argentina that much, but I think they'll win the group just based off of talent, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I'm not impressed with. Uh, well, let's put it this way: I'm not impressed with Argentina. I uh-huh. think that as a national team, for for some reason, the pieces just aren't fitting right now. They had a very difficult time qualifying through Comnable. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot. They could turn it on in the... Um, they can turn it on in the group stages and in the knockout rounds, and they can surprise everybody. Again, this is a team that made it to the World Cup Final in 2014, and were maybe a couple inches away here and there from actually winning it. So if Argentina had somehow beaten Germany in 2014, I think we would be thinking of them a lot differently than we are now. I have them winning the group at seven points. I have them drawing with Croatia at one point. But my second place team, because I feel like every World Cup, there's a big nation that, um, for lack of a better term, shits the bed. Okay. There's always one. Whether it's, there's always one, and sometimes there's always two. There's always a national team that you expect more from that doesn't show up. In my mind, that's going to be Croatia. Wow. I think that they have a bunch of good players. They have a bunch of really good players. Mm -hmm. But if um, if the tide turns on them, and if they start to panic, and if they don't, succeed early their first game is against nigeria a game again that they will probably have to win then you're going to start to see the panic and i feel like croatia is not a nation that is experienced in these type of tournaments i think they're going to have the sort of the expectations that a belgium would have um i think they're going to be a lot of people's sort of sneaky pick but i just don't see a lot from them so here's how i had it The first setup, I had Argentina beating Iceland 2-0, Croatia tying Nigeria 1-1. Second round of games, Argentina and Croatia tying, Nigeria beating Iceland. Third round of games, Nigeria versus Argentina, I had Argentina winning 3-1. And I have 
Iceland beating Croatia 1-0. So, if my math is correct, that puts Nigeria at four points, Iceland at three, and Croatia at two. So, my two qualifiers are Argentina and Nigeria. Did you say who your second qualifier from that group was? I was leaning more so towards Croatia. So I think that's where we have our, like, uh, I guess the, where we don't align. Um, I, I'm, I'm still leaning with Croatia just because I think uh, in big tournaments, the midfield is very important. And they have two of some of, you know, one of two of the better midfielders in, in Marjorie and, and Rakitic. Now, how that affects the entire team, I'm not sure. You know, we don't watch these teams on a day-to-day basis to really know their intricacies. But I, I would just have to go with Croatia over Nigeria there. I like the Nigerian squad, though. I like John obi Mikel. Uh-huh. I like um, Wilfred Ndidi. I like um, I like Ngalo. I like Victor Moses. I like Alex Iwobi, Kelsey Nyacho. Good young players. They're going to have a scrappiness to them. Um, you'll see a theme. I have three African uh, nations in the knockout stages, which I think would be a first. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like this group. I think Nigeria have a. I think they're going to have a toughness to them, and I just don't feel Croatia have that same uh, level of toughness, that same level of grit that you're going to need to sort of grind out these games. And they have uh, Daniel Subasic in goal, which. Um, if you've seen Monaco play this year, there have been times where he has been just absolutely uh, non-existent. And defensively, they also have Dejan Lovren, who I don't care how well Liverpool do, Lovren is not a good defensive player. So, moving on. Um, group uh, Group E. Alright, Group E, we have from Comnibold, possibly the World Cup favorites, Brazil. We have from UEFA... Switzerland and Serbia, and from um, CONCACAF, finally, we have Costa Rica. This is an interesting group because I feel like it's a group of the unknowns. We have Brazil, who we know, but those are the three teams we really don't know very much about. Right. Well, well, my thing with this group was, uh, obviously, uh, Brazil are my they're my favorites all the way, and we'll probably get into that later. But uh, I was looking, uh, I was looking at the rankings. I didn't realize Switzerland; they were like ranked like sixth. Yeah, and some of so that is because was, they manipulate the, their schedule and stuff. But yes, they are ranked sixth. Okay, all right. Well, I guess I guess that that's something because I I, I was trying to figure out what is it. You know, they have, you know, I, I know the players they have on the team. You know, Chaka and then and, and uh, Shakiri and Litsteiner. You know, they have some some known names, but like I, I didn't know that they were ranked so high. But I would um I for my second, I'm going with Costa Rica because of um, one of uh, the more underrated goalkeepers in all of Europe, Taylor Navas. To be quite honest, I think this guy doesn't get enough credit with. Why Real Madrid are being so dominant and and why they're so good? I think he, you know, every now and then he'll let some you know some some silly goals go by, but for the for the most part he's really like a shot stopper, like like a legit goalie, and he makes you know some of those incredible saves that you're like, wow, I can't believe he did that, and that and that's one of the things that stood out to me more so than anything during uh their their uh their more recent most recent uh Champions League run. 
So with that, and then uh, if, if you go back to the 2014 World Cup, they won their group against uh, I think it was Italy, England, and Uruguay. Yeah. So they have they have really scrappy players and and and, and uh, a solid defense, and then you have Kayla Navas back there. So that to me is what would kind of uh, edge out. Uh, Switzerland, where you know they're they're ranked high, but like you said, that that's that depends on who you play during the qualifiers and all that good stuff. So I'm going with Brazil and then uh, Costa Rica. Yeah, and I don't blame you for going that way because Navas is going to be good in this tournament. The only issue I have also with Costa Rica is there's not a lot of um, what you would call elite talent on the field with them. Uh, Brian, Ruiz, Brian Ruiz is a good player. Um, Joel Campbell's a very good player. Um, John, Johan Venegas. But not any... There's nobody that really you go, oh, that guy scares me or that guy scares me. Which, again, right. it, to me, it's unless you can play the most uh, perfect defense and counter strategy, you do need talent to get those goals. And in a group that I think is, again, relatively weak, Serbia is really an unknown. They have some decent players. They have Nemanja Matic. But it's not a squad where you go, um, they're going to make a bunch of noise. I mean, we don't know what they really are going to be, so I might be wrong. But I have it, be, I have it going Brazil with nine points, Switzerland with four, Costa Rica with one, and Serbia with one. I think Switzerland and Costa Rica draw. Costa Rica loses to Brazil, and then they draw to um, Serbia. So actually, that would put them at two points. Switzerland at four with their 1-0 victory over Serbia. So it's going to be one of those groups where you get a lot of draws and a lot of um, and a lot of 1-0s and 1-1s when it's okay. not involving Brazil. But, I mean, it, it, again, I said this term before, and I'll use it again, six of one, half a dozen of the other with Switzerland and Costa Rica, again, when in doubt, I usually go with the talent. Anything else you have for this group, or can we move to Group F? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it on that. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Um, group F, which is another fascinating group, I would say along the lines of Group D in a sense. Germany from UEFA, also from UEFA, Sweden. Mexico from CONCACAF, and South Korea from the... Asian Football Confederation. Uh, Germany's winning this group, right? Can we just like safely say that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's that's checked off. <laughs> we'll get to Germany uh, a little bit. We'll probably get to Germany later in the preview, but let's sort of go into who gets second in that group. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I thought. I thought this was a pretty easy pick for me. I could be wrong. This is one of those. I think I could be wrong between. Uh, uh, between Sweden and Mexico, uh, with Mexico, I think they're. Um, I was listening to the the episode you did with uh, with Eddie, and, and you know, he, uh, I'll try to kind of listen to what he was going to say in terms of what their current squad is. Now it looks like they're trying to integrate some of the younger guys with the vets like Guillermo Chola and Chicharito and the, the Santos brothers and all those guys. So I think uh, you know, and that's 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 kind of my you know, with with me not really watching a lot of these these countries and, and their friendlies, I'm I'm gonna go off of talent and what and and previous World Cups and 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 Mexico's all been always been in the thick of things, and uh, you know they have a lot of pride in their country and and, and their and their team, 
And with the talent level that they have, I, I will pick them over Sweden. And, and uh, I really haven't even watched enough of South Korea, South Korea to really give anything on them, honestly. So I have Germany one, Mexico two. Yeah, that's what I have. But uh, just a word on South Korea. I think I, I watched a little bit of their um, – I watched let, – let me rephrase that. I watched highlights of their qualifying mm-hmm. games. I did not watch full uh, Asian – uh, Asian Football Confederation qualifying because why would you? Um, uh, Sung is on that team, so he'll give them some sort of star power, somebody to watch. Sweden is very much, a, I think, a uh, Cinderella story, sort of going above their level. I kind of feel like they get exposed in the World Cup a bit. I don't think their organization is going to be able to do much to Germany or much to Mexico. I had it. Germany on nine points, Mexico on six, Sweden on one, and South Korea on one. And the only reason is because I think those two teams are going to draw each other in the first game. Then you're going to have a lot of blowouts. I have Germany beating South Korea 7-0. I have Germany beating Sweden 4-0. I have Mexico beating South Korea 3-0. So uh, this is going to be a lot of blowouts in this group, I think. Um... Mexico have a, a much more depth of talent than either South Korea or Sweden. And it's only fitting that we get a CONCACAF team into the round of 16. And yours is, you have two of them, I'll have one of them. So that gives us both Brazil and Mexico. All right, we are now on to, unless you have anything else to say about this group, we will move to Group G. Yep, let's go ahead and move on. All right, Group G. From UEFA, we have Belgium and England. From the Confederation of African Football, we have Tunisia. And from CONCACAF, we have surprise World Cup entrant Panama. Uh, Let's see. So, for this group, um, I was... um, one of the, I've, I've been hearing a lot of like, uh, I guess the favorites to win, and Belgium hasn't really been in those conversations. And I think they have, uh, they have the talent to to, to to go far. I don't, I don't think they have the talent to win it, but I feel like they can be one of the favorites. Uh, so obviously, I have them going going one, and then England two, just because of, I guess, star power and. They, you know, they didn't do really well in the in the Euros or the 2014 World Cup. So, you know, you, you have a lot of teams who are, have something, I guess, you know, like a chip on their shoulder, a point to prove. So, I think that that's where I'm at with the with this group. Uh, Belgium won, England two. Uh, it's impressive what Panama did to get into the the the, the World Cup. But it's one of those things like it's it's going to be like a culture shock of like once they you know they realize. The, the stage, and I think it's going to be too big for them. Yeah, and I look at these, um, I look at Tunisia and Panama, and I really just don't see, um, I don't see the talent there. I don't see the talent necessary. They're going to have to have a lot of things go their way. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I don't see, I don't see all the things that have to go their way going their way. Um, let's look at, um, Belgium and England, and if we look at Belgium and England, obviously the two best teams in here, although I'm not necessarily a huge fan of England in this World Cup, 
I think they're four years away from being um, competitive in the sense of actually uh, contesting to win it. So they'll get through based on, again, talent. And Belgium, I think they're going to underachieve. I think they're going to win this group. But while they're winning this group, I think they're going to underachieve during it. I think we're going to look at this group and go... Belgium and England got through, but they weren't necessarily convincing in doing it. For example, and I'll tell you why, I have Belgium at five points, I have England at five points, Tunisia at two, and Panama at two. So I don't expect Belgium or England to really make a good showing of themselves. I look at Belgium and I go, a lot of talent. Uh, De Bruyne, um, Hazard, Lukaku, Meunier... Vincent Company, if he makes the squad, I think he probably will. Yeah. It's it's solid talent, it, and it's and it's probably a top five talent base in the entire um, in the entire world. The issue with Belgium, though, is they've yet to prove that they can go to the World Cup or they can go to the European Championship and they can put it all together as a team. I'm not the biggest Roberto Martinez fan in the world, so I don't think they necessarily have the type of coach that they're going to need to do this. And how do Hazard and De Bruyne play with each other? Because they're going to have to play with each other. I think Hazard's going to have to play further up. And these are two players that are going to need the ball, two players that are going to want to create. And you have a player like Romelu Lukaku, who's a good, not great striker. I'm... I'm still sort of, I believe you still have Jan Vertonghen. That's a good player. But do you, do you see either England or Belgium sort of coming out of this group with momentum? Yeah, do, you well, think, not, do, you think, do you think they'll come out of this group and we'll say, wow, one of these two teams looks really, really impressive? Because I just don't see that right now. More so, more so Belgium. England definitely not. I'm not. I'm not really impressed with them, like you said. But it, it, for, for me, it's like when we get into the round of 16. If you are um, the, if, you, if you're gonna be the, the, the country that's gonna play whoever comes out of of this group, I would be more worried about. I would be. I guess I would be more concerned of playing Belgium over England. Because I think, like you said, Belgium, they have a lot of talent. It's just a matter of them putting it together. But, um, you know, momentum, I guess, is, 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 is for certain teams that have a, a stability, right? Like, you, you want to you be stable and, and, and know what you're going to do in your lineups. And um, I don't think Belgium, I don't think that's their problem. It, it's, it's like it's like a... The syndrome of you have all this talent and you don't know what to do with it, which I, I don't. I guess you know I've never been a coach, like I still don't understand. You know how I, you know, I can see why it's hard, but it's always kind of like you know kind of funny to me. Like why is it so hard to to, to, to put all these world class players in the white spaces for them to to do what they're you know get, get the best out of every player? And it's always been weird for me to understand why that does not work. So in terms of England, like I said, I don't think they're, um, they're ready yet. They have, um, you know, I don't think they're going to play any, any of their young players. You know, you're going to get your Kyle Walker. You're going to get Harry Kane. 
you know, you're going to get Jesse Lingard. You're going to get a bunch of, you know, the same guys we've seen and, and the last few times we've seen these guys play, they haven't been impressive. So I think if, if anybody was going to come out of this group with momentum, it would be more so Belgium than England. Yeah, and I agree absolutely. So let's go to Group E, which I think is another fascinating group. Um, from UEFA, we have Poland. From the... Confederation of African Football, we have Senegal. From Conca- uh, from Comnibal, sorry, we have Colombia. And from the Asian Football Confederation, we have Japan. Um, you said Group D was the group of death. I tend to think this uh-huh. may be the group of death, because I think there are three very good teams here. Only uh-huh. two of them are going to get out. And I think we're not really sure which two it's going to be. Now, I have my thought. Let's hear yours first. Uh, in this group, I'm going to go... Um, this this is this, this a little fickle. Um, I, I'm thinking that uh, Colombia actually is going to win this group uh, just because of uh, how they've been in previous years. And then they have really, really good players. I'm not sure if... Uh, um, is, um, I'm not sure exactly who's on their squad, but I know they have Hamas. They yeah, have Hamas, you some, have Falcao, you have that yeah. sort of group of guys, yeah. So, so I, I think in, in that sense they'll do well and win this group. Now, I'm, I'm on the fence about Senegal and and, and and Poland. Now, Poland, you have Lewandowski, and you know he's a he's a good striker. Uh, I think he he's a little overrated. That's my personal opinion, and I don't think he can like be the the, the difference maker, right? Like, I don't think he's that type of striker. Like, you know, if you put the if you get him in, in space in a box, he can put it away. But I don't think he's that you know that game changer of a striker that you know people lead lead others to believe. Now, Senegal, I, I think I think Sadio Mane is one of the more uh, underrated players. In in uh in football because if you look at what Liverpool does, I always say every good thing that happens in attack for them going forward, it starts with uh, Sadio Mane and uh, and I think he's a special talent. Now is that going to be enough for them to beat Poland, who have more talent than them? Maybe not. But this is one of those where I'm gonna I, I don't know if it's, it's considered a sleeper pick, but I would I'm gonna say Senegal is gonna finish second. Um, yes, and I'm going out on that limb with you, actually. I believe that Senegal is going to be the story of this tournament. Um, I think they are a team that has a bunch of really sneaky good players. They have um, Kalido Koulibaly, who's been playing well, Yusuf Sabali, Czech Dinoy, um, Sadio Mane, and th- look just this front line of Mane, Musa Sao, um, Kaita Balde, Ismael Asar. And Ismael Asar is a player that last year was being linked with Barcelona. So this is going, it is a very good chance that he's going to be one of the breakout players of this tournament. And I just, and it's maybe not the most rational pick in the world, but I just have a feeling with Senegal. I think they're going to score goals on the counter. I think they're going to be organized. I think they're going to be smart in the way they play. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Colombia with players like Cuadrado, Ospina, um, Muriel, Murillo, Zuniga, Luis Muriel. 
I think it's a good, not great team. Poland has a lot of good sneaky players on that team. Um, Lewandowski, obviously. Um, Kemel Glick. I think Rakowiak, as funny as it may sound, I think he's going to be better for his national team than he will be for um, any club team he ever plays on. Um, I, I, I have it Poland 1, Senegal 2. Mm-hmm. Colombia three and Japan finishing last. I think Japan's one of the weaker teams in the tournament. No. Nothing stands out to me for them. They have a couple good players, but again, nothing really stands out when I look at that team. So I have it Poland and Senegal. Anything else before we go into the knockout rounds? No, that's pretty much it. Okay, so let me go through who I have in the knockout rounds, and let me go through who you have in the, as the round of 16 matchups. So, our first round of 16 matchup is Uruguay, the winner of Group A versus Portugal, the runner-up of Group B. John, who do you have in that game? Uruguay, Portugal, I'm going to go with Portugal. And why? I think uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, I think he's he's one of those guys that's like, no matter what the situation is, he, he finds a way. And I think... Um, I think he plays really well with Ricardo Caresma. They have a really good, uh, I guess, partnership. And, 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 and every time I watch them, they always do something really special. And I think the weakest the weakest aspect of their team is their defense, uh, their, their, their back line, where in Uruguay they have a Diego Gordi and, 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 you know, uh, so a really solid defense. And uh, But I, I, just, I just think uh, Ronaldo... Uh, is just one of those players who can make a difference more so than Suarez and Cavani would. I just think he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get them through this game. I just have that feeling. Yeah, I have it. Portugal one, Uruguay nil. Cristiano Ronaldo goal. So we're yeah. on the same page there. Now here's where we differ. I have France versus Nigeria. You have France versus Croatia. I have France beating Nigeria three to one. I think France is gonna start finding their rhythm as this tournament goes along. And I'll get even into more of that as we go deeper. Um, how do you see France versus Croatia going? Uh, I think it's going to be a. Um, I think it's going to be like a ground out game uh, for France. I have France winning it, but I think I think uh, it's going to. It might start out tight first half, early second half. But I think in, in going into the later stages of the game, I think France's dominance and their talent that they do have, yeah, I think it's just going to overwhelm them. And if, if, if they go, you know, Croatia don't want to go toe-to-toe with France, with France pretty much. So I guess, like, as the game goes on, I think France will get into their game and into their rhythm and kind of dominate the midfield with Pogba and, and Toliso and all those guys they have. And uh, I see... Uh, you know, I, I see them winning it 2-0. Yeah. Um, so that moves France forward. Um, Brazil versus Mexico. We both have this game as a matchup. Um, uh-huh. Who do you have, John? Uh, Brazil. <laughs> no, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, Brazil, I have them winning 4-0. I, I don't even know if it'll be that close. Yeah. Um... Belgium versus Senegal. We both have Belgium versus Senegal. Who do you have going through? 
Oh, this is gonna be a tough one. Um, ugh. this is this is one of those I can really go either way just because I really like the Senegalese team and everything we talked about and how dynamic they can be and, and structured and, and and some of the players they have. But again, I'm I'm really basing this these type of tournaments on on strength and midfield with Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, they have Roger and Angola. And, you know, they with Hazard. I just think they're going to be too much for Senegal. I think it's going to be uh, 2-1 Belgium. So you have it 2-1 Belgium. Now, this is where I say there's always one weird game in the World Mm -hmm. Cup. I think this is going to be that weird game. I think Belgium's going to choke. I just, I, until they show me otherwise, I assume Belgium will choke. And Senegal (laughs) has the type of attacking players to take advantage of that. I have Senegal Mm -hmm. 1, Belgium 0. Interesting, interesting. All right. Um, We both have Spain and Egypt. Um, Can Mohamed Salah single-handedly beat Spain? Yeah, I'm going to say no on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say no, too. I have it Spain 5, Egypt 2. Yeah, Yeah, I I think think Egypt gets gets a goal here, maybe. But, yeah, I don't don't see them uh, pulling that one off. Honestly. Yeah, and I think Spain can be attacking in that game. I think they'll be flying down the pitch. I think it's a, it's. I think they're going to find their rhythm too, and sort of the same way France will find their rhythm. Um, we have a different game here. You have Argentina versus Australia. I have Argentina versus Denmark. Does Argentina move on to the quarterfinals? Yes, I do think Argentina moves on. Uh, like, again, they have one of the best players in the world. Um, Australia, they, you know, I, I have them getting out the group, but again, it's going to be one of those, the, you know, the, the, the knockout stages. It starts kind of weeding out some of the some of the weaker teams, and, and, and no matter how amazing the story or or whatever they have to overcome to get out of a group, I think you know the knockout stages, all of those kind of, uh, I guess, emotional emotional. Uh, thoughts kind of go out the window. This is pretty much talent against talent and, you know, experience. So I'm going with Argentina. They're, uh, they're, they're going to move on. Yeah, I have Argentina beating Denmark 2-0. Um, mm-hmm. You have Germany and Costa Rica. I have Germany and Switzerland. I don't think it really matters. I'd say Germany yeah. gets through. I have them beating Switzerland 4-1. to one. Switzerland has some good players. Germany has all good players. And Germany's run will not be stopped in the round of 16. Um, do you think Kaylor Navas is good enough to keep Germany out of the net for 90 minutes? And one of those other players gets a goal late or something? Or are we going with Germany and the safe pick? Yeah, I'm going with Germany just just like based off of I like I think Navas will I think throughout this entire tournament, every game he's gonna turn up, he's gonna make some key saves, but yeah, they have way too much firepower for for what for what Costa Rica would have to counterattack, which is damn near non existent, yeah, they they're not gonna be able to keep up with them. No matter what how well Kaylin Navas plays. Yes. And the last game of the round of 16, you have Colombia versus England. I have Poland versus England. Who do you have winning Colombia versus England? Uh, I actually have England winning this game. Um, yeah, I actually have them winning this game. I'm not convinced with them 
thoroughly in terms of going really deep into this tournament, but being in, in the um in the, in the in the group that they were in, and then the matchup that they would have to play uh, against against um, Columbia, I think I think they have they have more uh, more talent there. I, I think that um, you know England, like I said, they haven't been impressive. In, in the the last two, I guess you know, international tournaments, and you know, you having that chip on your shoulder, you have something to play with. I think, I think they, you know, they they can they can get past Columbia. Like I could see them winning this one one nil. You know, like pulling out a late winner and kind of grinding one out. And I have Poland versus England, and I think England have a shot at it. I just think Poland right now is a sneaky team and I think they're just I think they know who they are. I think they'll know how to win these games. And it's not exactly a matchup of heavyweights in the in the natural sense. So yeah, I see Poland sort of pulling this one out and getting to the quarterfinals. So we are now into the quarterfinals and if you hear me sort of ooh and ah at any time, that's because right now PSG are playing Calm. Just to give you a time frame of when we're recording this, so that would be May nineteenth. Uh, May nineteenth, right? Yep. Yep. May nineteenth. So if anyone gets a major injury in the next two weeks, don't blame us. Um, quarterfinals: Portugal versus France, a rematch of the Euro twenty sixteen final. Does France get revenge? I think so. I think so. I think I thought France should have won that game. Uh, kind of plays into why everybody is so hesitant on France. It's because when you expect them to show up, they just they just go out there and just run around. Like it's like I, I don't understand it. That's why I'm so fickle with that team. But I feel like this is this is a chance for them to get revenge. And this is one of those games where Cristiano alone and, and, and some of his supporting cast, they're not going to be able to, uh, to, um, to, to do anything with France. And I'm, and we might, like, I don't know when we're going to get into France, but I, I really like, like the, the, the thought of how Kylian Mbappe is going to show up in this tournament. I, I'm really like looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. I think he's going to have a special tournament. I think he's going to play a big role in these type of games where it's going to have to be decisive, like getting the early goal and kind of just keeping pressure and keeping your foot on the opposing team neck. And just his pace and his creating ability. I think I think France win this one uh, 3-1. Yes. And about France, I feel that once Didier Deschamps realizes it, and I think he'll have to realize it in the group stages, once he realizes that this France team will be a hell of a lot better if they worry about pace and energy as opposed to just feeding the ball to Olivier Giroud, I think he'll realize that. I think Giroud is a good supplementary piece. I think for too long Deschamps has had Giroud be the central piece, and I just don't see him being that type of player anymore. Um, they have to find a way to get Griezmann, Mbappe, and Ndembele playing together running with speed and pace at teams and just being relentless in their attack. And you use Pogba and Conte to facilitate, to get the ball into the right space, to follow up on the counters. This France team, if it's constructed right, is, in my opinion, one of the top 
three teams with a chance to win it. And I feel like Deschamps is going to get it right. And I think they're going to be in a situation where they're going to be two wins away from a World Cup. And I think they should, they should, if it falls this way, make it into the semifinal. So I have France going along as well. You have Brazil and Belgium. I had Brazil and Senegal. Um, I think as good as Senegal is going to be in this tournament, uh, I just don't think they have any answers for Brazil. And I don't think they have any answers for what is going to be a very good tournament for Neymar. Oh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't see um, whoever plays Brazil uh, in, in, in the quarters. Uh, I don't. I don't see them losing. I think. Uh, I think their group kind of sets them up to, like, like I said, that momentum going into the knockout stages. And I think I don't, I don't think they're gonna breeze past Belgium, but I think they're gonna um, they're gonna put more goals up, and, and, and Brazil's defense is gonna kind of stand up to them. And and uh, I see two one Brazil. Yeah. And I have mine 3-0 Brazil um, against Senegal. Let's talk about Neymar just for a second, since he's the PSG star and the and the um, the tabloid man of the hour. Um, how do you think he's going to do in this tournament? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I would have had a more, like, I guess, uh, a clear, direct answer had he not be, uh, been injured. Uh, I think that's something that, I'm not gonna like as far as all the clickbait stuff that I see on Neymar. One of the ones that I do put credence into is when I see a bunch of quotes of him saying that he, you know, he he's, he's fearful of re reaggravating the injury, which is as natural to think. If you, if you play sports, you never get injured. You know that feeling, and not just as a player, as the player, one of the marquee players that's being. Uh, um, advertised for the entire tournament for your country and uh, one of you know one of the biggest talents in the world. I think that's that's a lot that's a lot to consider. But I think if if, if we get the Neymars that we got from PSG this year, going into that team with the Felipe Coutinho and uh, and uh, Gabriel Jesus and Fernandinho and all these guys, I think he can. I, I don't know if we're at that stage here. We pick MVPs or whatever. I think he's going to be one of the one of the the ones to finish in the MVP just because he this is this is one of those chances for him to kind of put himself on that level where people can really start you know you know take him serious like most of us take him serious but some people don't and I think this is a big opportunity for him. In his country, and uh, I just think if he if he's coming off of the form that he was playing at PSG this year, just attacking, 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 and being relentless, I think he can he can really be special in this uh, in this tournament. We also have Spain and Argentina. Um, I think that's going to be the game of the uh, of the quarterfinals. I think that Argentina is going to start finding its form a bit. But I still feel that Spain will just be too much. I would, I would I have to collectively, agree. Spain is just too much for Argentina. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah. Um, any kind of words on um, since we're leaving Argentina here in the quarter in the uh, in the quarterfinals? Does the does the fact that Messi will probably never win a World Cup um, does that taint anything? 
Does it mean anything? Oh. Maybe not taint, but does it mean anything? It means something, but I don't think uh, it's going to, I guess, infiltrate the, the bottom line in, 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 in your discussion of one of, if not the greatest player ever. Like, I, I think he's proven to be one of those players where uh, 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 an accomplishment as the World Cup, even something that major, couldn't taint what he's done thus far. And I think that's just the bottom line. And it really sucks because, like I said, I don't understand how they have one of the best players and then they have really great, you know, pieces around him with Di Maria and all these other guys that play with him. And I don't understand uh, they don't really play Dybala that much and have Iguain. So I guess it's really whoever the coach is doesn't know how to set the team up. And I guess that's the problem with most of these big teams with a lot of talent. They don't know how to put the players in the right positions. But yeah, it, it, it's going to suck. But yeah, I don't think it, it goes into the bottom line of how great of a player Messi is. He's still going to be regarded. I mean, he's still going to be regarded as one of, if not the best ever. Yes, I agree. And we go next to Germany versus England or Germany versus Poland. I have Germany versus Poland. You have Germany versus England. I think we probably both have Germany moving on. Yeah, definitely. I think this is where it stops for England, where they just get uh, overwhelmed with um, structure and and firepower, where they, you know, it's just going to be difficult for them to, to get anything going against a, a solid team like Germany. Which brings us to the final four, the semifinals of the World Cup, and we have the exact same semifinals. So. We are now all in sync. We both have France facing Brazil, and we both have Spain facing Germany. Let's start with France and Brazil. First thoughts, rematch of the 98 final, um, Neymar versus Mbappe, um, Nasser's, um, Nasser's fever dream. Um, where do we got? Wow, this is difficult, man. Like, uh, like I said, I, I know who I have all going on the way, but this is like just, just trying to analyze. There's so much going on here in terms of uh, when you look at the favorites and you know France and Brazil, the favorites. You look at the top talents in all of uh, football. Yeah, Mbappe. You have Neymar. You have Coutinho and Dembele. Some of the the, the the top players, the best players on their teams, all combined into one uh, one squad. And, you know, this is one of those where whoever makes the first mistake or whoever doesn't play consistently good football and keeping possessions and, and not letting the ball just, you know, you know trying, trying to keep possession and not making silly passes and, 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 and not being focused. This is one of those games, if you lose your focus, any of these teams can, can kind of pounce on that. But if I'm going off of... I guess, of the mentality of the head coach because when it comes to France, honestly, I think their weakest link is the coach and his selections and how he sets the team up. I feel like he tried to he, he tries to do too much where if you simplify things, and like you say, you have some of the fastest players in Dembele and Griezmann and Mbappe, just go at guys. And they wanted to play this kind of tiki-taki football and it always kind of you know, goes head-to-head with the talent that you have. And it's like, I don't understand why it's so difficult. But 
And I think that's what's going to be the difference. I think TJ's experience and how he's got Brazil really flying. Like, they, they've been playing flawlessly, in my opinion. And they capped it off uh, beating Germany in the last match that we watched them play. And uh, I just think Brazil's going to win this one based off of whatever starting 11 gets put out there and them being consistent and remaining focused and doing their job throughout the entire 90-plus minutes of the match. This is where I may be accused of voting with my heart and not necessarily my head. I okay. think that at some point, Didier Deschamps is a smart man. He's not dumb. And he's done a lot of what he's needed to do as France's head coach in sort of stabilizing, going and building a good core base of talent, allowing it to sort of get nurtured. And now you have one of the most dynamic um, groups of talent that I think France has ever had. And it would be a crime for Deschamps to not get the complete um, capabilities out of this team because he feels that Olivier Giroud somehow gives them some sort of better chance to win than some sort of 4-3-3 where you really sort of run at people and play aggressively. I am voting with my heart because I think that through all of this, Deschamps is going to figure that out. Because how can you not? Unless you are just completely stubborn in your own ways. Brazil have a lot of pressure. And I think the pressure is going to build and build and build as we go along. And the pressure is going to be on Neymar. The pressure is going to be on Marcelo. And they're going to have to go back into a situation where... Four years ago, in the semifinals, they fell flat on their face. And I, either outcome here is going to be interesting and fascinating. For me, as somebody who covers PSG, I think if this were to happen, I think it would have ramifications that we'd feel for years and years. But yeah. I'm going to say that France win. I'm going to say that France make it to the final... They beat Brazil by the score of 1-0 on an Antoine Griezmann goal in a very negative sort of, in a very interesting game in the sense that PSG will have a lot of the ball. I think their midfield will beat Brazil's midfield and Brazil will start, will resort to countering and I think defensively France will be able to hold up. So you have Brazil in the final, I have France in the final. Let's go to Germany versus Spain, the second semifinal. John, who do you have facing Brazil in your final? Now, this is the part where I think Germany, uh, I think they have, they're good enough to get to this point, but some of the things that I haven't been impressed with them in the qualifying matches and, and some of the things that, uh, some of the lineups that they went with, I think this is where it bites them. I think Spain wins the game. Now, Germany, um, they, um, I think the last, the last World Cup, you saw the rise of the Draxlers and some of the younger guys, and you still had the Schweinsteigers and, and the Mitch of Klosa and, and some of the older guys. And this is, this is, it's kind of the same thing going on now where you have, um, you have older guys and some younger guys like Joshua Kimmich and, and, and Julian Weigel and all, all these young guys. But 
I, I don't think um, Yo, I don't think Joachim Lowe has been really. I think he's been like tampering with the with the with the lineup. He doesn't have a a solid eleven that he's going to go to consistently, and that could be his advantage in trying to switch up lineups. But I just don't think they've played. Um, I guess the, uh, convincing enough for me to win the World Cup. But it's like I haven't gone this far because of their talent. And I kind of uh, compared them to the Spurs and the NBA and the New, England play, the New England Patriots, where no matter what people's uh, you know reviews or whatever are before a season or a match, you don't really have this team. You're not really talking about this team because they kind of do their job all the time. But when it comes down to it and, and being in the big matches, they're always there. The Spurs are always there. The, the Patriots are always there. And the Germany national football team is always there. But I think uh, with that being said, the coach has so much power, as we saw with, with Bill Belichick and some of the decisions that he made in the Super Bowl and not playing a certain corner or, or you know, certain decisions. I feel like that, that would be the weak link. Like they're so good. That the mistake is going to come from the coach betting on himself more so than what the talent on the field would do. So, and with that being said, I just think Spain have uh, such a dangerous team with the with the, the, the mix of young and older players and uh, being solid in the defense. Uh, I have them being in the final against uh, Brazil. So your final is Brazil versus Spain. Yep. Now this is where again we differ. I figure, and I'm going to just say it in four words. Germany finds a way. I think I think championship caliber talent, like a Real Madrid, like the San Antonio Spurs or the Golden State Warriors or the New England Patriots, you find a way. And I feel like Spain may even control the game. Spain may even be the better team for long stretches of it. But Germany, with the experience, with the type of kind of efficiency and character that they have i just think that germany finds a way and i my final will be france versus germany your final obviously is that as i said brazil versus spain let's get to it john who do you think wins the 2018 world cup yeah so like i've kind of been i guess Selling this the whole time, but yeah, I have Brazil winning the entire thing, uh, and I have uh, Neymar as my MVP. And this is this is really has nothing to do with with PSG or anything like that. This is just me solely going off of the 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 stage and and, and the, the readiness that I see the Brazilian national team. Like I said, I'm where I'm from in the Congo. We don't have a team to root for, so I've always rooted for 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 uh, for Brazil. Just because some of my favorite players played with them, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, all these guys. And going into the 2014 World Cup, I really wasn't impressed uh, because I felt like they the, the pressure was too much, them playing on home soil, and uh, some guys not really being in their prime. And they had Fred playing as their number nine, and they had uh, all these guys, Luis Gustavo, and it wasn't really impressive. And the, it, it wasn't really impressive. This year, you just look at that team. You have guys that are game changers in their current squads. You have you look at Marcelo and look at how important he is to Real Madrid's run. You look at uh, Casemiro and how, he, how important he is to Real Madrid. You look at Fernandinho, how important he is to uh, Manchester City. And you can go. 
you can go down to every player and look at the difference that they make. And I think what brings it all together for me is Chiche and how he's been able to to get Brazil out of this rut and, and this sense of doubt that they've had as a nation ever since crashing out of the, the World Cup the way they did and, and everything that happened in the Confederation Cup that next year. I think he's, he's kind of reinserted a sense of pride that the Brazilian national team, where they know they're usually the best and the expectation for them is to win. And I think this year with the solidity of of a back line with Marquinhos, Miranda, Thiago Silva, and um, and Marcelo, and, uh, and Alisson, and then you have superstar talent going forward. I just think this is their time, and this is the moment for Neymar to kind of uh, put the, put the world on, you know, on, to put himself on the map and into the world and, and letting people know that this is this is what he is, this is how good he is, and, and him being able to carry his team to a World Cup title. And I was going to mention, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Donny Alves. Uh, I really hate it for the guy. You love the guy. He's, he's really great. But I don't think him missing this World Cup really, like, I hate to say it, I don't think it really changes anything, because I thought that was one of the weaker links in that lineup. Danny Alves, as good as he is. One thing I'll say is that it's not like Brazil have another right back that's as good or better than Alves, who Alves has been holding back. There's a reason Uh Alves is their right back. It's not like they have a guy coming in that's like, oh, this guy's a lot better than than Alves. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like it's it's not a situation where anyone's getting held back. It's uh, just Alves is the best guy for the job. Whether he's perfect for it or not is another story. I think it'll hurt them a little. I don't think it's going to be the main reason they don't win the World Cup. I think the main reason they won't win the World Cup is I think and we go back to that France Brazil game that I sort of projected. I actually think top to bottom, I think France's midfield, if it if it's doing what it, it should do, and I'm basing a lot of this on coulds, not maybe definites, but there's a real opportunity for France to dominate the midfield in that game, in that matchup. But um, going to my final, um, I'll say it again. Germany finds a way. I think it's a good final. I think both teams are um, going to be where they need to be, playing hard. Um, I have the final 2-0 to Germany. Germany wins the 2018 World Cup and becomes the first team in ages, probably since um, Brazil in the 50s, or the 50s, early 60s, to win back-to-back World Cups. I think it's a team that is going to be built around the uh, consistency and distributing power of Tony Kroos. I think he's your most valuable player. I think that Neymar and Griezmann both uh, share golden boot honors. I think both will score around five to six. Yeah, I had Griezmann winning the golden boot as yeah, well. Yeah, I had Griezmann too. I think Griezmann's going to have a hell of a World Cup. Um, yeah. So there you go. I have um, I have Germany. You have Brazil. We'll see who's right. I'm thinking one of us probably will be, though. Those are If we're going to have two favorites for those things, those two are probably it. Um, any last words on this World Cup? Anything you might be looking for? Any stray notes? Anything come to mind? Uh, I wanted to touch on uh, the the uh, the France's uh, selection. Uh, 
you know, our, our guy Robbie missing out and Martial and, and some of those decisions, uh, I wanted to kind of get your perspective on it first. See what you thought of who made the team and who didn't. All right. Um, we'll kind of keep that. Well, yeah, we'll have that discussion now. That's okay. Why not? Um, I think you got it right. I think Deschamps got it right. I, I, I don't think Rabio's been good enough the last three months. I don't think yeah. he's I think he's too redundant to what Pogba and Conte are gonna be doing. He would be a backup. And yeah. Nzanzi gives them something in the air that um that Rabio's just not gonna give them and he gives them a little more of a defensive solidity. I like the decision. Um Marcial's just hasn't played enough. And Tovan's been good, I think, for what uh I maybe maybe I don't see him being France World Cup capable. But he's uh, definitely played better than Martial this year. Right. Well, he's played more games, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what you have to go by. You can't, you know, yeah. unless you just want to have to take Martial off the bench. But that's sort of what, and I, I sort of blame Manchester United and how they um, and how they used him. But yeah. I, I, you got to go with what you see. And I think Tovan and Lamar, Lamar's an interesting one. I'm not sure I would have picked Lamar over Martial. And that's 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 where I that, that's where I had the problem because it was like you said I don't think Mourinho has given Martial chances but every time he's played he's made an impact he's really done well and then if you evaluate that with Marsh with uh, Toma Lamar playing in pretty much every match and has has had a, a very subpar season to say the least so I thought that was interesting in, in, in terms of I guess the the decision making and that but you know. Yeah, I, I think overall he got it fairly what he needed to get. I like the Fakir. I think Fakir is going to be interesting for them. I think he's a good player to, to bring off the bench. He's got yeah, some creativity. Yeah. He sort of can be a midfielder-forward uh, hybrid in that sense, something that France doesn't necessarily have. Like He gives yeah. them just a unique element to it. So, yeah, I like that squad selection. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on. This is the... Last episode, and I think we um, closed it out with a bang. Yeah, it was really fun, man. Like I said, I um, I congratulate you with this project because uh, I remember when you initially brought it up, and uh, it's been really fun uh, to listen to and kind of follow along and hear some of the stories from all, from everybody you've had on, and it's been really cool to be part of this, man. I just guess now we're just gonna wait on a tournament, man, because every the whole world is gonna be watching. I'm gonna be watching, and it's gonna be really great. Yeah, and we'll have you on at certain points during the World Cup to sort of discuss how things are going, what you're seeing, what I'm seeing. So this will not be the last our audience hears of you for this um, for this World Cup season. Um, where can the people find you on Twitter? On Twitter at uh, G-O-D-F-R-S-H-O-R-T, God for short. Um, um, I'm, I'm pretty usually active on Twitter. Uh, I have a new article up uh, right now on PSG Talk website well, about. I do Jill remember, Lattie, but do remember John, that this is going to come out June eighth, so it will be out for a while. But talk about it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So you probably by now you'll probably have, have uh, read it. Hopefully so. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where uh, I was looking at how I guess PSG in the last stretch of the season, I guess, were on uh, what I call the. The, I guess waiting for the World Cup tour where everybody's kind of checked out and kind of going through the motions. And one of the bright spots was Giovanni Lo Celso. And I kind of 
tracked it back from his performance in Real Madrid where he got a lot of scrutiny. And that seemed to be kind of his stick and what people were kind of stamping on him. And kind of talked about why he's way more than that and why he's really uh, an important uh, buy for PSG. Yes. So, again, uh, thank you, John, for coming on. And for John Alonghi, this is your World Cup podcast, a World Cup project podcast host, Mark Damon, for the final time for this series, saying au revoir for now. Thank you to everybody who has listened to the World Cup Project over the last month. This was a massive undertaking that could not have been completed without the help of a lot of people. First, I would like to thank our PSG Talk founder, Ed, for supporting the project, allowing it on his creation, and editing and mixing the shows, and also creating the articles that accompany each podcast episode. Thank you to all of my guests, including Guillaume Delaporte, Chase Hayslip, Eduardo Razo, Jose Espinosa, Louis Jacques, Carl Oscar Kostrom, Tyler Dunn, Daniel Pregbaha, David Wood, Matt Gooding, and John Olangi. You are the content and the reason for this project's success. Also, thank you to Orgel Vretton for the intro music, Zane and Johnson. We hope to do more exciting things like this in the future. So make sure to stay tuned to PSG Talk, the number one news and opinion site for all things Paris Saint-Germain in English. Subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and think of donating to the Patreon page. Just $1 a month gives us extra revenue to create content like the World Cup Project, PSG Small Talk, and our weekly show just for the World Cup season, World Cup Small Talk, where we recap the week that was in Russia. This has been your World Cup Project host, Mark Damon. Merci beaucoup et au revoir for now.